The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport, powered by fans. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of Red Side of Trent. I'm your host Christian Brown and we come to you after a somewhat negative Friday night in which Forrest lost 2-1 to Newcastle in heartbreaking fashion due to a 93rd minute penalty. However, the, only, the positive news is that thanks for results elsewhere, Forrest will go into next, this international break. Two points clear of the drop zone. Obviously, as Leicester drew away at Brentford and West Ham didn't play their game. But the negative news is that, yeah, it's not looking good. It's no winning six now and the walls are somewhat starting to close in. We don't have a full house today. I have Adam Wicklow and Lee Clark here, but Reece Lane is out watching Jed Spence pull off a masterclass against Messi and Mbappe at, in uh, a PSG game. So he said we are delighted to have Tom Head here with us. So we'll, we'll start with you, Tom. So the team selection was very bold, to put it mildly. There's a number of changes. Cooper changed shape as well. We went to 4 one And yeah, some some big noticeable inclusions such as Nia Carte straight in for Worrell. Yates came straight back in, obviously at Forrest's expense. Dennis started and Ayu led the line. What did you make of those changes? I mean, you we on the one hand concerned that we'd gone so open, but also pleased that we were showing some fight, or were you, you know, talk me for your thought process about that team selection. I thought it was a step in the right direction. Um, I've been saying for a while that we've missed Ryan Yates and uh I think the days of being concerned about him being in the starting eleven are consigned to the Martin O'Neill era. I think Ryan Yates is, you know, he will be a massive factor in deciding whether Forest stay up or go down this year. So may I just use my first appearance on this podcast to preach the gospel of Ryan Yates? I feel like it's a worthwhile use of everyone's time. Um, but yeah, no, I thought, to be fair, the team selection I didn't have any gripes with. I thought Nia Carte coming back was the right decision and bar one very, very late mistake. It almost looked like, you know, the, the perfect decision, but that's, that's football. That's how it goes. Um, yeah. And you know what, like on, in the limited time I've seen them, um, I thought Andre AU is very industrious. I mean, that's probably the most positive thing I can say. Um, it's not necessarily Andrew, a, Andre AU's fault that, we're asking him to turn around this this dreadful, awful form and he's not played in the Premier League for about six years. Um, Dennis took his opportunity. I like what he tries to do. I know he frustrates the hell out of people. And I know that he's, you know, he, he quite frequently loses the ball. But for me, Dennis loses the ball because he's trying to make something happen. I will defend Dennis for as long as I can. And I think, you know, he's got a bit of credit in the bank after, after Friday and, couple of his recent cameos. I mean, the finish itself was brilliant. But yeah, in terms of the team's selection, I don't think there was anything wrong with it. Um, but I think I probably would make changes going forward. I'd maybe have a revisit the midfield. I'd consider what John Joe Shelby brings to the team at the minute. And after the international break, I'm, I'm on my knees for a check Chiku Kiyate return. I think that's what we need. I think we've just got maybe one or two pieces of the puzzle missing. And I'm not saying that... Tywo, I want you coming back. Will fix up, fix us up defensively, obviously. But I just, yeah, I do feel that there's still changes to be made. But what we saw on Friday was 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 probably better than what we've had on the pitch for the last few weeks. Yeah, it was. It's interesting how the game sort of panned out. I mean, Adam Newcastle did start very brightly, and it'd be fair to say that our crossbar led a very charmed life. Firstly, through Ben Lodi's somewhat unorthodox clearance. 
And secondly, through a long staff effort, I believe, which is kind of off the bar. Were you both first off that side? Do you think we could ride that storm at all? Or would you just assume that it'd be one-way traffic and then we'd be holding a number of goals again? Yeah, it was, it's difficult to say. I mean, Newcastle obviously were always going to have more possession than Forest, but I did think those chances hadn't... I mean, like Longstaff's took a deflection, so that you can say that's a blocked one, and Lodi's was fortunate. So, And to be fair to Brennan Johnson, he actually put in quite a good last-ditch tackle from that Isak chance. So you could say, like, we was actually defending not too bad to say those those incidents ended up hitting woodwork. So it, it, maybe in another game, they go an inch inch higher, lower, and, and they go in or, or whatever. But that's just football for you. Um, I, I, I thought we was pretty aggressive in the press sometimes. I thought uh, Lardy and, and Norea did really well against St. Maximan and, and Murphy, respectively. And, and obviously, Shelby and Yates were trying to get in amongst it against Willock and, and Gimaraish and Dennis against Trippier. I thought... A lot of football came through Kieran Trippier. I thought he was arguably the best player on the pitch, if not second to Isak. Uh, so, yeah, it was just kind of contain contain Newcastle and try and hit him on the break. Second half, obviously, they they really ramped things up and and, and they tested Navas a hell of a lot more uh, in, in, in the second half. So I, I was quite happy to keep him at an arm's length and try and hit him on the counter-attack. I thought we weren't too bad first half. Just second half, we just... They just completely stepped it up a gear and, and took over, and we didn't. We weren't very proactive in in reading the situation and trying to counter it at all. Because I don't think I think Pope had like one save to make second half, and that's not really good enough at home against anyone, to be honest. Apart from maybe like Man City, at the best in this league, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. It's it's it was a concern actually seeing now. So we'll come on to that second half in more like. Examination, you know, a bit like wrong. But first off, Lee, I mean, we did take the goal, uh, the lead against the run of play with a rather exquisite finish from Dennis, a little bit somewhat fortuitously. But um, what did you make of the finish and what did you make of the goal? I mean, it's quite funny that, you know, obviously, in another sense, it won't be somewhat more mischievous that a lot of people have been you know, making out that Sam Surridge is just like 40, 50 million pound striker and Dennis has had about a fraction of minutes and scored double the Premier League goals as he has. But talk me through the goal and talk me through your thoughts. Yeah, I think it was um, it was interesting. I, I mean, it was a great finish. It was a, a cracking goal. Um, I just think Dennis has this presence about him that can cause defenders to make mistakes. I think had Sam Surridge been in that position, he, he may well have scored. We know he's a great finisher. Um, but we'd, we'd now be lauding him for his for his presence and forcing the mistake from, I think it was Botman, wasn't it? Um, and I think that's what Dennis brings. He he, he kind of comes alive in the final third, doesn't he? Um, for want of a better example, it reminds me of a lot when I first started watching Forest of Ian Wohan. Now, give Ian Wohan the ball in his own half of the pitch. He's just not interested. He's not even interested in getting into that half of the pitch. Um, but he, he's got the potential, I think, to come alive in the final third. Um and yeah, he was interesting as well because when he took it round the keeper, I actually thought he fucked it up. Um, I really thought he'd kind of missed his chance. And then to just dink it into the gap where no one could reach it was just it was it was just a brilliant finish from a player who should be rusty. He shouldn't be able to do that. Um so I think it was really positive that given the chance he's got that finish, that type of finish in the locker. And and to be honest. I I probably thought he was our best player again. Um, again, I didn't get too much criticism for my comment about his performance at Tottenham last week, so maybe it's not such an unpopular opinion. But certainly going forward, I thought he was our best player again on Friday. Okay, yeah, it's difficult to disagree. I mean, especially in the second half, you look like the only one that actually wanted to drag us up the pitch in the second half. And you know, the finish, it was some of it. I mean, it's weird because I think Pope actually does very well. He shuts Jangle down very quickly. He gets down. Like, he sort of does everything physically possible, pretty much, to sort of deny the goal. And then it's just very calmly, almost like a golf shot, just chips it into the corner. It's that sort of like, you know, when you see Trippier sort of like run and jump and just miss it, the ball just nestles. It was, it was, a, it was a lovely sight. Sadly, I, think the, I think the thing is as well... Rest, but, yeah. Newcastle have kind of. I think they've got the best. Have they got the best defense in the league? They've only conceded eighteen. It's one of the best defense, Yeah. Yeah. So mm. I think the the pleasing thing for me, if we if we're trying to look for positives from Friday night, is that we'll play defenses that are um, that are worse than Newcastle's. And if we can keep drawing mistakes out of them, then and fingers crossed, we can have a, a game or two where we do score more than once and and put a game to bed. Um, 
so yeah, again, might be deemed as clutching at straws, I guess, but it is a positive. And I think to be able to to do that against a team like Newcastle with quality at the back um, certainly offers us hope for the future games, I think. It's a good way of looking at it, to be fair. It's one that I had previously considered, so thank you for that. I do feel somewhat better, as you know, that we actually cracked a tough nut. Maybe we might do it better, more frequently against other teams, but yeah, we'll uh, again cover that in due course. But I mean, Tom, it actually seems after the goal, Forrest really stepped up a gear. Like, they started to believe it felt like, you know, the fact the fans started to get behind them, and it, was, it felt like. You know, it was we were in a really good place. We were forcing Newcastle into mistakes. We were making them feel uncomfortable. I think at one point we had sixty-six percent of the ball, and you know it, that's obviously very unlike Forrest and the Cooper, especially in the Premier League, where we don't have that much of the ball normally. But we looked a good side. We looked like a, a good cable Premier League side flat twenty-minute spell, and then lo and behold, typical Forest fashion. Uh, well, I'll let you talk through the goal, but you know the sucker punch of all sucker punches, uh, one of the worst times you could possibly concede in the football match, just before half time. And Isaac stays at home, but I'll let you take it away. Uh, yeah, well, I'm still got PTSD from that equaliser because I was uh, I was pretty good because I know as soon as it goes in, it changes the game completely, um, and it and it you know it, it sort of ruins what could have been a very positive halftime break for us. And then you never know, first 15, 20 minutes after the break, maybe if we get the next goal, it's a very different story. But football games aren't aren't won on if buts and maybe's, I'm afraid, and. You know, it's it's what happens though when you've got everyone. Everyone likes to talk about the money we spend, and everyone likes to talk about the you amount know, of players we bought in. But that Alexander Isaac is sixty million pounds worth of footballer. Um, we learned that the odd way on on Friday night. Um, fantastic finish. You know, he was an absolute menace all night. Like we 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 couldn't contain him in the end. And uh, yeah, it's it, it's a real shame because like like you say, Christian, like there was. We've got to be realistic about where we were, where we are, and where they are in the table. And um, I think last week against Tottenham, like because they're in open mutiny, and I was a bit disappointed that we didn't try, not not try, but like I'm disappointed we didn't ask enough questions of Tottenham, right? But I think Newcastle are a better side, and we asked more questions of them. So it did feel like a step in the right direction. I know I'm taking our home and away form sort of out the window there and just comparing the two clubs as they are. But it did, there were, there were bits of Friday that felt good, but the overwhelming feeling is because it was another loss at home on the back of, on the back of a, a really shite run of form. We're all bottom of the form table, right? So it's, uh, and that, I think that's what made it, even, I mean, it's just the most bitter way to lose a game as well. A penalty that you can't even get aggrieved about. You can't even call the referee a blind bastard or anything because, because guess what? Our centre-backs caught it in the box, right? So, um, yeah, just, the, the, sorry, going back to the, the first goal, though, it just sort of shows the, the 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 quality we're up against and it shows that, uh, yeah, it, it just, it's still, it's hurting me now talking about it because I know that it could have been a very different game if we go in at 1-0 and that's like the most obvious thing I can say, but that's just what's on my mind and it's just such a bitter bitter lesson to have to learn and to take from it but what can you do when the finish is that good I, I think it's I think it's tough I don't even really want to slag anyone off in the back fourth or I mean I mean our midfield wasn't good enough for for a myriad of reasons on on uh on Friday but I don't think they can really be faulted for what happened either so it's just uh yeah I'm just you know me I love a grievance and like for both goals it's like world-class finish and a stonewall penalty so can't even like you know what I mean I can't even like get upset at someone else so frustrated to say the least might give you an opportunity to get something, about something though do you think it was a foul on are you because obviously he is kicked and obviously goes down and then I think the worrying thing for me isn't so much that at least it wasn't given it was that the Newcastle broke down so quickly down that that flank mm. they seem to just bypass us in about two passes and and then somehow well, you worry jumping. Christian, it, it, that, but did you think of the foul? Or? Well, this is the thing, to be honest, and it's kind of a broader point that I feel like since Friday and since since the Forest Instagram team like posted something about that foul, like I really don't want us to be blaming everything on referees. And listen, I know Clarky, I know you're a referee, mate, and uh, I'm not I'm not saying this to be polite to you because because that's just not the way I operate, unfortunately. But um, I want us to really get out of this mentality that it's always someone else's fault. Like, do you know what I mean? I mean, I might sound like I'm contradicting myself a bit where I'm saying that there's not really that many 
that much fault we can find in the goal from our side. But at the same time, like if we start trying to run it back 15, 20 seconds of play and say, oh, well, if you'd give a free kick there. Like, yeah, obviously, but it's not a forest thing. It's not a conspiracy thing. And the quality of referees in this league is is another debate. But I sure as hell don't want to like keep harping back to bad decisions and or decisions that are contentious because I would rather like focus on what we can do because the the problem we've got is always thinking there's there's some something to blame when really we need to look inward. We need to look at like what we can do better in those situations. And recently I've not liked it, you know, I've not liked the narrative of, oh, we've been denied this or we've been denied that. I mean, even VARs worked largely in favour for us this season. And that's an uncomfortable truth. I really don't like VAR, but you bet I was on my feet cheering like a moron when when Longstaff's goal got, got overruled and I felt dirty. I needed a shower that night. That's how bad it felt. So I think we need to get out of this grievance mentality. Like, oh, it could have been a foul on AU. Yeah, well, we probably had two. Do you know what I mean? It could have been a lot of things, but the referee is not to blame for us picking up two points in the last six or for our midfield going missing or for us not really being able to create anything in the second half. So, yeah, that's just, sorry if that's a bit off topic, but that's just just how I see it, you know? No, no, so Adam, want to add I mean, I think if you're going to take any kind of negatives from it. I mean, Lodi gets completely suckered into the into the play on like the halfway line. I don't know why he needs to be pressing there. And then I think if you're gonna if you're gonna like criticize another point of it, I mean nine times out of ten Yates puts his body on the line and stops the cross from from Joe Willock. And it's a fantastic cross, don't get me wrong. He's dug it right out to get on and then and, and Isaac's like, I don't know, he's got like curves in his shins or something because he's like had to get it from right behind him and it's and it's nestled in the bottom corner and nothing Navas can do. But they're the only two negatives you can take. Like it's like what Tom says, the ball's on the halfway line when we lose it. So it's still a matter of them going, what, fifty yards to go and still score the goal. There's a lot of there's a lot of like incidents and moments where that can definitely be stopped at, at any given time, whether it's Lod- Lodi doesn't have to dive in or, or or Yates blocks the cross. That's just, but but I don't want to get at, at either Lodi or Yates, but I thought, because I thought Yates was probably second best player on the pitch behind Dennis, to be honest. And it was a shame when he went off, because I think it changed the, 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 the dynamics of the game because of, of a poor substitution, in my opinion. But we can get onto that a bit later. Yeah, that's another, obviously, Another issue, you just come back from injury, gets injured again. Lee, uh, anything else to find further add on there? Yeah, I just wanted to add on to what Tom had said. I, I couldn't agree any more with what he said, to be honest. I think the the narrative that the club are kind of pushing out there, that there's, it's uh, us against them with the PGMOL, I think is a bit... I, I don't like it. I think it's a bit shit. Every, you ask every team in the Premier League, they'll probably give you a list of decisions that they think they should have had. My gripe with the IU foul is even at my level of refereeing, you set your stall out and you try and be as consistent as possible for both teams. And you can't... That's not a... That's a mandatory requirement. You can't... You're just going to... I mean, at my level, you'd end up with no tyres on your car if you didn't do it, to be fair. Um, So it it was the fact that... If you look at some of the fouls that Newcastle got, Eddie Eddie Howe has built a, a... He's built a career on getting his teams to do it, hasn't he? I mean, he's done a, he's done a wonderful job at Newcastle. He did a great job at Bournemouth. But his teams typically, especially away from home, they feel contact, they jump up, they scream, they stay down injured, they have a little look, they get the free kick, and then they jump up. They got all of them. For the first, certainly in the first half, they got all of them. And then, there is, to me, it's a foul. Based on what Paul Tierney was given in that first half, it's a, it's a foul on IO. Um, and that's why I didn't like it. It didn't. You can't go saying, "Oh, well, it should have been a foul." It's cost us. You've got to do the fundamentals right. You've got to still defend. You've got to play to the whistle. Um, but it was just the consistency element that I didn't really like about it. I think if that had been on um, Bruno or Longstaff or Trippier, hundred percent, the ref can't wait to give it as a foul. Um, so yeah, that was just my little gripe with it on Friday. No, I think that's fair enough. I mean, like, like I said before, I mean, I was more annoyed with how we just. You know, they cut us to pieces with two passes pretty mm. much down that side. But equally, like, as you t- it was the inconsistency element that got me. I mean, like there were a number of very, very strange decisions for both teams. Obviously, we'll come on to the goal uh, very shortly. Or the goal that wasn't, that says that. But I mean, like, it was stuff like, you know, Dennis getting a yellow card for winning the ball against Trippier. You know, it was like, it was, like you said, fouls that would go one way, but not another. Yellow cards that go one way, but not another. Like, I mean, what's it? Are you, what's it? Chomp straight the back of someone and then get booked 
Yates and did the exact same thing and then get booked. Dennis wins the ball and then gets booked. It's like, what? So I guess no one really knew sort of like how it was. I, I mean, you can't have an unpredictable ref like that. It just doesn't make any sense. And I just, yeah, I felt that that bit was annoying. I mean, the fact that you have both sets of fans after the game saying how shitty he was normally it's a pretty bad sign of how he's performed. So that's, again, it's not the reason why we lost the game at all. And like I said, I'm, I'm more frustrated with the fact that we were undone with two passes and didn't respond to that very quickly. But as I mean, it did seem as if that goal was like a punch in more ways than one. Because in the second half, it just seemed like Forrest didn't even bother coming out of the dressing room. It was extremely flat, mate. I mean, even the supporters, I feel like we'd gave up as a fan base. I mean, I'm in, I was in Upper Bridgeford, probably near the vicinity of Tom and his and his loudness. But I, I, I was trying my best to get things going and no one was interested. And it was kind of like, we've got nothing to shout about. And I feel like it goes hand in hand with energy on, on and off the pitch in terms of if a player makes a tackle, the crowd will get up for it. And and if we're up for it, they'll, they'll be up for it and, and more things tend to happen. I mean, I, I know it doesn't quite always work like that because you see people do brilliant things on a Sunday morning in front of a man and his dog. So it, it kind of goes out the window a little bit. My my gripe is as well is as soon as the disallowed goal happens, you think, right, we're going to get up for this. We're going to get back in the fight. We're going to start singing and like kind of taking it to them and, and that. And then it just went completely flat again. And Newcastle just completely dominated. They were just camped in our, in our half. They 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 pumped the ball into the back post. It was like, hello, this is this is telegraphing now. Like, can we do something about this? And we and we just didn't act upon it. And I mean, obviously they scored the disallow goal, but then even obviously where the penalty comes from, it, it goes to the back post or the or the front post. I can't remember where the cross comes from, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we, we did nothing to warrant anything out of the game in that second half apart from Johnson's half chance. And I mean, we didn't but Dan Burns on a yellow card and we did not test him once down that flank. Johnson can pretty much burn most fullbacks in this league. And and he did work pretty well, I thought, against Burn in the first half and we just didn't test him. Shelby, I mean, I don't know what you lot think, but I thought he was an absolute shadow in the second half. You expect him to come and kind of like put his foot on the ball and kind of start dictating things and get us a bit more control. Second half, he was just, Chasing Matty, uh, is it Sean or Matty Long stuff? I get them too confused to be honest. Um, so he got nowhere near it and should have got dragged, and he didn't. And and I feel like that is on Cooper for not making proactive changes. To be honest, it's a weird one because I actually felt that Cooper should have brought another midfielder on. Mm. But I in addition, when obviously when Yates had to come off, that was forced. But I felt like. They were just running straight through us. It was like they left the game all over again at their place. And the West Ham, for the last 20 minutes against West Ham, we had no control of the ball whatsoever. And they were just literally mowing through our midfield. And like I said, they were camped in a half. It was just wave after wave after wave of Newcastle attack. It was just like, nothing's... I think that's, you know, none of us like criticising Steve Cooper, but that was weird. It was very strange that, you know, when, by the time he did bring a midfielder on, it was after they scored. There was like two minutes to play. What can Scarpa do in two minutes? Like, it just seems, you know, the, the game was was up by that point. I thought, um, yeah, 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 that was Yates going off. who's like an energy player and kind of like his 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 like main thing is harrying and and winning the ball back and then giving it to a red shirt. Danilo was the perfect person to come on and do that job next to Shelby. Give him the legs. Froiler in the last few weeks, and I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big admirer of Froiler. I do like him, but the last few weeks he looks like he's running through treacle, and 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 really off the boil. I mean, I know. Danilo's struggled to adapt, but for that job where you just go, you go and win the ball back and 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 chase Sean Lang Longstaff or Chris uh, or Joe Willock, sorry, I keep, too many brothers in this football in these football games. Um, then and and that and that would be his job and just give the ball to Red Shirt. I feel like Danilo would have been so much more of a better choice in midfield, or even both of them come on. Or I don't know. This is I'm I'm kind of in the in the Tom Ed camp of bring back Czech Kiate, and I, I never thought I'd say that. Clamouring for a 32, 33 year old to come back in the team and save our season somehow. But it's like the thing with Kiate is like we need someone in there with Premier League experience. I know that's such a generic run of the mill thing to say, but you think you get that with Shelby, but Shelby just seems to like slow the game down, which is really bizarre because. When he came on and played against Fulham in that second half, going back about five weeks, whatever it was, like he was actually at the engine room for us. It's like, okay, yeah, sure, I can see how this is going to go. And then Shelby's performances have just really like dropped off in the last few weeks. So we do need that 
as much as I, I also want to see Danilo in, and I want to see you know Yates play every game until the end of the season. But I do think we need that one player with 200, 300 games in the Premier League. And if if Shelby's not up to scratch, then it's got to we, we've got to pin a lot of hope on Kiarte, who will you know who will bring something back because there was a time before the World Cup when it was just falling into place and. He took a lot of people by surprise and uh, it's just, I know it's quite a dangerous game, like relying on these players just back from injury, all a little bit rusty, all a little bit sort of maybe still carrying knocks, you know, given the length of time it's been. I know it's a dangerous strategy, but we need we need something to change because there's just, like you say, the, the, the midfield issue is, it's stressful to sit here and think about, like, it's... I just don't know why we can't create anything when five, six weeks ago, you know, we, we looked fine. Like, you know, not, not like bloody world beaters, but we looked like we could hold our own. We looked like we we knew what we were doing. I just genuinely don't know what's changed in the last few weeks. Yeah, all right, sound. We've got injuries. And I know we've got more injuries than most, so I'm not going to say that's, that's something we can't blame. But I just want to know where has that that intent it feels like it's a lack of intent right like it's like they don't want to go forward I think it's ever since we played City and the game plan was sit back and then get at him when we can I don't think they've ever come out of that mentality it's really weird and I don't have the the tactical insight to say why that is or to say what I'm seeing but it just seems that since we went full-on blitzkrieg defense against City we've never come out of the trenches since then and I'm just a bit puzzled. Why? But the, the strange thing is, we've still managed to score goals, you know, one at Tottenham, a couple at home to Everton, you know, bagging against Newcastle. But then we get a goal and then we don't really create anything else. It's, oh, it's frustrating, man. Yeah, it is. I think that that is a key word, frustrating, because, like you said, you can see the glimpses, you can see the good bits, the good bits, but it's just not frequent enough. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Superlight Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Just a break in play to give a plug to my business. This is Reese off the pod. I have my own courier business, RL Delivery Service. I do local and GB deliveries. Good rates, fully insured. So give me a message on, it's RL Deliveries on Twitter. You can find it in my bio, which is um, Reese spelled R-E-I-S-S-N-F-F-C. Or I'm also on Facebook at RL Delivery Service. So if you do need anything moving, give me a message and I'd be more than happy to help. Anyway, just before we move on uh, to Lee, or well, Lee, you feel free to jump in this bit. I mean, your expertise might be quite needed. Adam, the disallowed goal. Now, as Tom alluded to earlier, you know, it maybe is a somewhat uncomfortable truth that VAR has maybe been. Actually, as a, I wouldn't actually, no, I wouldn't say that because I actually think that to be fair, it's done what it's it's designed to do. You know, you know, it's to stop shit decisions that we get week in week out, and you know. But with the exception of the Brentford game, I'd say by and large, every decision that's popped up has been fair. It's just a bit of shit for match-going fans who don't really know what's going on. And the latest example of that was this loud goal for Newcastle. I mean, I don't think there was one Forest fan or player that appealed that and thought, oh, no, it's come off an offside play. I mean, Lee, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think by the book, technically, it is offside. I mean, the ball's diverted off an offside player back into play, so therefore... 
it is offside. But I mean, it's what did you make of it? And again, like you said, it was such a missed opportunity not to pounce upon that and like you know gain some momentum from that. But yeah, talk me through I, what you thought. I think I thought the 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 VAR was going to go for a potential handball for when when Ishak's on the floor and he and he plays the ball and he kind of gains an advantage from from controlling the ball. And then I think that for, as far as I'm concerned from seeing replays, as as I think I'm not sure, does does Isak control? Uh, I think he crosses it initially, and and Felipe kind of intercepts it, but it's not it's not like a deliberate pass or anything. So I don't know whether that's because because it's not a deliberate pass, and then Langstaff's in a offside position, and that's why it's given. Or or what? But I'm I'm. Oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't that. So it when Nia Carse goes to clear the ball, yeah, and it comes off. I think it is Longstaff comes off. Longstaff's an off on an offside position. So the ruling is that because the ball diverted off a player in an offside position, and then I gone guess. back to Ishak. Yeah, and then so crossed in they scores. Yeah, I kind I kind of can see I can see it, and I can, and and like it's a weird one because I don't think he's. It's just like come off him. It's not like he's played the ball intentionally, but then you're still gaining an unfair advantage from being in an offside position. So I guess in a really roundabout way and in a, in a long like kind of marathon way of, of looking at it, it is the right decision. But I can also see why it'd be so, so harsh to for it to be given and kind of a let off for us. I mean, it's a great header by Anderson at the back post for his first goal in the Premier League, but it's just such a pity that he got denied. Well, not a pity because it was good for us. Pity for him, obviously, as a young young lad, breaking into the Newcastle side at an exciting time. But yeah, it just never get, like it galvanizes for what, 20 seconds, and then we just weren't asked again. And that's the biggest disappointment. Because usually when something goes in favor of your team, everyone kind of it's like it's like celebrating a goal, isn't it? So and 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 it was just nothing. Not even like the players kind of felt like galvanized to go after, apart from maybe Dennis for about 10 seconds where he tried to charge through and run through Kieran Trippier literally. And and but Again, probably got a decision go against him where he pirouetted and got got taken out by Gimaraish and, and nothing got given by Turney. Again, I mean, it, he was inconsistent all night. I mean, you could even argue about them not checking VAR when Andre Ayew goes through in the first half and and gets bundled over in the penalty box because some there's some images where he actually looked on side. So I don't I don't know. It's 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 one of them. I'd, I'd let Lee come in and, and explain maybe. Yeah, Lee's chomping the bits coming, so I'll let him <laughs> yeah explain. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest with you, I've literally just watched it back. Uh, I've not watched it back before. I've just, what I think it's given for is, and I'm not going to get too technically because it's boring as sin, isn't it? Let's face it. Um, so what they're saying is, I think, the flag go Well, they're saying he's offside. After, so Felipe tries to clear it, but it's kind of a... that. They're not, they're not considering that as a deliberate act because he's trying to clear the ball, essentially. Um However, the law doesn't interpret that. So the law basically says um, deliberate play is when a player has control of the ball with the possibility of passing the ball to a teammate or gaining possession of the ball or clearing it, i.e. kicking or heading it. Now, to me, Felipe is trying to clear that ball. So in law, I'm not sure why it's given as offside. Um, but what I mean... <laughs> What Paul Tierney has been sent over to to look at is whether he thinks that what Felipe does is a deliberate act or whether um, he's kind of just trying to put himself in the mix and and get rid of it somehow. Um, offside is still, for me, a massively grey area. There's too many interpretations. Um, by the letter of the law, they've probably got it right. But like you said, Christian, I don't think anyone in the in the ground, I don't think anyone, everyone just presumed it was a goal. Um, so yeah, letter of the law. I think they've probably got it right. They're, they're probably considering what Felipe has done to be a, a non deliberate act, so therefore, that the, I think it's long stuff, isn't it? It's still offside. Um, but it's completely bollocks, let's face it. I mean, what else is Felipe trying to do there? And if it is off near Carte, again, what's he trying to do? That That's definitely a deliberate act. He's trying to smash it into the main stand, isn't he? So yeah, I, I think they're, they're basically saying that what Felipe has done, uh, to kind of for the ball to end up back with um, Longstaff isn't a, a deliberate act, which, again, won't make any sense to to the Joe public, I suppose, but uh, there we are. Yeah, it's 
very confusing when Bankpick went away. But I mean, one decision that has tumbled into it. What I would say as well is the common misconception, I think, with paying supporters, and I don't mean that sound patronising, is that the perception is that, oh, it's come off a defender, it can't be offside. That that just is fundamentally wrong. There is still situations where it can come off a defender and it it still be considered offside. Um so yeah, I, I saw a lot of Newcastle fans after saying, "Oh my God, they can't see that it's come off a Forest player." Well, yeah, it has come off a Forest player, but there is still ways and means where it can still be offside. So that's all I would say to to kind of finish with that. Yeah, and fair enough. I mean, like I said, there was one decision that we couldn't really argue with, and like it was stuck to. It was harsh because it's near Carter I felt had matched, you know, Isaac largely stride for stride all night, apart from that. Because even for the goal, Isaac was up against Aurier, we sort of peeled off. Like I felt, generally speaking, like he couldn't really do too much. He was largely constricted, still causing problems. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like he had free reign and nothing and just run through and just like you know, cause havoc as he did against Wolves. But and that was largely down to Nick Carter. But then in the ninety fucking third minute, almost there, almost seen it out. And well, yeah, I'll let you take it from there. And it's- well, yeah, I mean, it's clearly handball, isn't it? I, th- I think if you looked at the ball, I think it's got uh, Nia Carte's signature on it, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I don't know what he's doing. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to slate him too much. It's one of them things, isn't it? He's he's obviously said his piece on social media, hasn't he, and apologised. And I don't know. I'd, it's just, yeah, we can't have any complaints about that. It's a clear handball. Um, I, I actually thought what they did with the penalty was really clever as well. Um, Trippier using his experience lapping up all the, the mind games from Lodi and Navas and then just letting Isaac step over when the time comes to actually strike the ball. So, yeah, clear penalty. Um, couldn't wait to give it, could he? I mean, let's face it. Um, it's one of those. It, it, no complaints from me at all. It's it's a clear round ball. No need for VAR. Um, happy days. Well, for them, not for us, obviously. Yeah, it's just, it's just the... The, the the feeling in the pit of my stomach when that happened. I mean, I'm not obviously I'm not exclusive to that feeling, but just like because everyone has been clamouring for Musa to come back in, and for most of the game, Neocarte showed us what we've been missing. You could see, as you know, as as questionable as we were across the pitch, and as much as Newcastle ran through us, I thought to a large extent, Felipe and Neocarte held their own. You know, I, I was really starting to think that maybe we can turn this thing around and uh, that happens when it happens and it's just it's just really cruel but like my main thing is it like really ruined a good Friday night I love Friday night football um, but I don't anymore now so I'm never going to look forward to a Friday night game again so so yeah thanks Musa but um, no look that's his first game in seven months right and it was a full 90 he got through Um, I just uh, (laughs) I just wonder what would have happened if Joe Worrell was the one who caught that ball. I just wonder what the reaction would be like. But, look, that's apples and pears. You just can't really compare the two situations. Like, Nia Carte had a blinder. Um, and then he <laughs> and then he didn't. He had a blinder until he didn't. And that's, that's really just the hard bit of pill to swallow. But I'm sure, you know, he's got 90 in his legs now. We've got Wolves coming up at home. If we can just... Oh, God, I don't know. I wish I wish I were a bit more educated on what we need to do to get over the line and actually win a game. And it's just got... I, I can sit here and, and simply say, uh, you know, like, show a bit more intent, get on the front foot. But I just think we've got a lot of problems in a lot of places. And the international break is here, but it should have been here maybe two weeks ago, maybe even more than that. And the opportunities we've dropped, like... Against West Ham, a result there, even a draw, would have took us five, six points above the relegation zone. Being Everton the other week would have took us six points above. And I know we'd still be in the in the fight, but we wouldn't be as 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 uh, up shit creek as we are now, unfortunately. And I just think, yeah, it's all right. I mean, I'm 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 looking to Wolves. I'm clinging to that Wolves game like it's some sort of life raft, and I've just fell off the Titanic. But it's. It, what, what happens after Leeds? Because then we've got two away games. Like, what are we going to do in these next two weeks? What are we going to change? Because it's not just it's not just one issue in one part of the field. It's like you could look at every part of the, you know, you could look all over the pitch and find issues. And Cooper's a fantastic manager, but 
can he put things right in the next two weeks to then not just win our home games, but then start picking points up away from home? It is a massive, massive requirement. Yeah, it's it's very scary. We'll go on to meet you, course. I've got a question for all of you. I think you can kind of guess what it might be along the lines of. But um, we're going to have a quick look at player reviews uh, now. So we've got one player for each of you. And Tom, your player is Felipe, who I thought had some kind of mixed bag and some very unorthodox defending at times. I did feel actually that, you know, it was, it was the first time that back four played together. It is our strongest back four on paper, I'd say. But, you know, we didn't really have much of a connection with Neocarte and it was pretty much a baptism of fire to sort of start to forge it in against Newcastle as well. But Felipe, I thought, you know, I erred in the side of caution a few times. There was one instance when he gave a penalty away. I was very heart in mouth. I was expecting like a knee-high two-footed challenge on someone at one point, but didn't happen. And how do you think he played? I like Felipe. I do. Um, I do well, I'm sort of like him by default because there's no other centre-backs to rely on. So I've got to like him. I've got no choice. No, um... I like what he's about. I like what he brings. Um, is uh, look, he's, he's he's probably not the answer to all our problems. And you know, I, I think we've. I think you could argue that probably our best centre back at the club is is maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But my God, do we miss Willy Bolly? We really miss that guy. Um, and I just wonder, is he better than what we've already got? And I'm not sure if he is. But at the same time. I like what I've seen from him. I think he's he's been in a very difficult situation since he's come in. Part of that new cohort who come in at the end of January and sort of coincided with a drop-off in form, which is uh, not nice to look at when you think about it, you know. But um, no, I like Felipe. I liked his little rampage forward in the second half where it looked like he was going to smash into the box and uh, and get a shot away. But uh, yeah, this is... I'm sticking by him. I think he's he's doing a decent enough job. Um, maybe not the 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 world beater Simeone shit ass that I was properly open for, but you know he's he's got what's the saying? He, he has got that dog in him, and that's what we need to to get over the line. Um, I do just wonder if we've got any players though that have ever been in a relegation fight in the Premier League because we've got good experienced players, but. You think about the likes of like Felipe and Navas sort of used to playing towards the top end of the table. I know probably one you could pick off is Emmanuel Dennis, who's, you know, hasn't didn't keep Watford up last year. Maybe it's not all on him, obviously, but I just wonder how many players we've got who are actually equipped for the fight. But if you're talking about fight and passion and needing someone who's a little bit on the loco side to get you over, then yeah, give me Felipe in the trenches. I I I stand by him. I think he's sound. Oh, I agree. I, I really like Felipe. He's um, I think he came a bit hard in mouth to watch, but I think he's very good. He just seems to find a way of just blocking a lot, like especially for his shots. He, he reads the game very well, I find. And um, yeah, again, it was it was no fault of his own that you know we obviously be lost at the end. But another thing as well, he's proper asswife's favourite. Some some for for them who for them who just sit at home and want a bit of eye candy, you know. That's the that's what he really is, you know. You know, it's and it's good to have handsome players. I think that's why I like him so much. I'm lost in his eyes. <laughs> is, that, is this the level of tactical analysis you wanted me on for? That's exactly, what, exactly why he got, got the nods. I, I know? think I think to add to your to your list of players that have been in a relegation is scrapped, and this is why you're probably piling for him, Tom, is is Czech Kiate. I mean Someone that will run probably through a brick wall for you. So yeah, he's probably. The... Has anyone got that that big spotlight they use to get Batman to come and fight crimes? Can't we just put like a big K in the air for? Because <laughs> like, my God, do we need to summon that man back to action? Third time I'm saying it. Like, I don't. You're going to edit this podcast just uh, just the the cheap Kiate appreciation site. I came with my little gospel of Ryan Yates book in hand, and I'm reading from a different sacred text altogether. I love how very involved he is, even though he's not there. Like, I mean, I, I, I stupidly made the decision to watch the game back, and um, on the Sky build-up, like you can see just before the game, he's like got one of the club photographers' cameras. He's taking pictures of the players, just like you know, as you do. Um, yeah, he obviously seems very immersed in the club, and I think that's really nice to see. Obviously, he's back, he's back know, in training, so I wouldn't yeah, be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised you know. to see him back in for the Wolves game. To yeah. be honest, think, in, yeah, in, 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 a, in some capacity. Yeah, I think the international break, I mean, we'll come to it a bit later, it has come at a very good time for Forrest, and that's one of the reasons why. But Adam, another player who you know, maybe wasn't so strong, shall we say, is John Joe Shelby, because and we've said it for weeks. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously I've had my own view on it. You know, I, it, 
I think that apart from the West Ham game, like when Tom said, against Fulham when he came on, and probably against Man City as well, I'm struggling to see what he's offering our midfield at the minute. I just think we regressed with him in the side. And I felt for 20 minutes of the game, he dealt fairly well with Bruno Guimaraes. And then for the other 70 minutes of the game, it was very evident why Newcastle replaced Jojo Shelby with Bruno Guimaraes. How do you think he played on Friday? Yeah, I thought first half was was all right. And obviously his his ball over the top caused the the goal because Andre Ayu obviously goes down chasing a lost cause and then Bot- Botman inevitably gives it to Dennis and we, and we score. But I think John Joe Shelby, I, I think he, he hooks the ball more than I've seen, than, than fishermen hook for fish, to be honest. Like it is literally just get the ball and like lump it in a corner and, and kind of like hope. And I don't know whether he's been told to do that by Cooper in terms of like, let's just get it, get it in that channel for, for Johnson or Dennis to, to do, but it, it is so often. And like, it's so often that he's trying to find the Hollywood ball, like the eye, eye of a needle kind of pass. And sometimes it's, it's okay just to keep things ticking and kind of keep midfielders moving around and, and, and chasing our shadows a bit. And I expected him to kind of coming off of that, bit of calm on the ball and bit of football IQ almost. But I, I, I'm not sure if he's really like the answer for it in, in midfield at the moment. I think this is where, like we've all iterated, we're missing that fight. Since Ryan Yates has come off in that game against Bournemouth, I'm not really, I feel like that's where, where it's kind of gone down a little bit. And, and I never thought I'd ever say that last season, even when, when we was all slagging him off about being good enough in the championship. Boy, that lad's turned it around. There you go, Tom. I'm reading from your gospel. We've maybe swapped, swapped in the, in in the pre-match. But Crazy yeah, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just think like midfield needs to be more combative, probably less less glam- glamorous on the eye, and and more like up for it. Like a, a, when it was like pre World Cup, and it was Froyle, Kiate, and Yates. It was it was really really good. Like they all had a bit of different kind of quality in terms of how to win the ball and kind of keep things ticking over. I mean, Czech Kiato was going on Yaya Torre-esque runs, wasn't he, against Liverpool, if I remember correctly. That was brilliant. So I'm looking forward to that coming back. So, yeah, I think Shelby is better suited to a team that's going to have the ball way more often. Uh, and I just don't think he's good enough defensively for us and goes goes missing in a large part. So that's that's my take on him. No, I think, to be honest, I, mean, I know last week or the week before we were saying like our midfield given what's available, you probably would say the strongest midfield would be Shelby, Freuler and Yates as a midfield three. I now think it probably is, you know, uh, Freuler, uh, Yates and Kuyase. The reason why I'd have Freuler over Shelby is that sort of like, you know, not orchestrate if you like, but you know, someone, the brains in the midfield is because he doesn't, I mean, okay, I get he's not the most glamorous of players and Shelby obviously, obviously does try that Hollywood ball every time, but you can't do it every time. And, you know, Freuler might get slack, like, you know, only playing a simple ball five yards, but he keeps it ticking over, he keeps things moving. I just don't think Shelby's capable of doing that. And he just isn't. Like, he, he, and, you know, like I said before, if there's any favours when he's dropping back onto the max toes, taking it off them and just, like, pinging a ball out of touch or pinging a ball straight to a, an opposition shirt. That does us no help, help whatsoever. And, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting one for Cooper because I expect we will revert back to the three for the Wolves game. And I wouldn't be surprised if Shelby drops on what we've seen because he hasn't, there's no way he's warranted his place in the team in the last few games. you know. And so that'll be rather interesting what happens. But last but not least, uh, Lee, Emmanuel Dennis. So obviously, I know you've been a bit of an advocate for him. And you know, I think if it's fair to say that he earned his start, I mean, even regardless of the injury issues that we potentially had, he, he earned the shot to start the game against uh, Newcastle, going on how, how well he played against Spurs. and you know, But how do you think he played against Newcastle? Uh, yeah, sorry. I mean, let's go to an Emmanuel Dennis Appreciation Society as well on the podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really get... I kind of get, actually, why he's getting a bit of a bad rep. He, he kind of saunters, he saunters around a little bit, doesn't he? His attitude does seem a little bit like... Like I've said on this podcast before, you can imagine Emmanuel Dennis walking up to someone in the in a club who's maybe pushed in front of in front of him in the queue and saying, "Do you know who I am?" He's just got that look about him. I, I could be badly wrong. I've never met the bloke, but he's just got that look about him when he enters a football pitch. Um, but yeah, I mean, fair play to the lad. I I genuinely think it's nice to see a player who has been kind of not making squads and getting ten minutes here and there actually pull on a strip from the start and show that he wants to keep it and he wants to keep his place in the side. And 
Do you know what? I, I, I've got nothing against Sam Surridge, but like you said at the, the top of the show, Christian, he has become a £40, £50 million pound player without actually playing much. Um, I, I just think if, if, he'd have, if he'd have been doing exactly the same as what Dennis is, let's say Cooper had given Surridge the nod, and he'd have had exactly the same performances as what Dennis has, everyone would be raving about him. And I get that. I, I genuinely get that Surridge deserves that because... He, he he scored some really important goals for his last year. His finishing was quality, and he does seem like an all round good egg. But I think in sport you've kind of got to be willing to give that sort of praise to a player that you might not necessarily like. That you might three or four weeks ago have said, "Do you know what? You should never play for the club before." I think when he came on against United and slipped slipped them into the third, a lot of people were of that opinion that he shouldn't play for us again because he's just not got the right attitude to to want to roll up his sleeves and and show Cooper that he deserved to play. But I think in the last couple of weeks, he certainly has. Um, I said last week that he came on against Tottenham and he was our best player, albeit that the, you know, the, the benchmark was quite low based on the first half performance. But yeah, um, on I stick by what I said earlier, that for me, it was our best player again on Friday. And and for now, um, he stays in the team because it makes us a little bit less predictable when we go forward. I think it's no secret that Johnson's our main man. Um, we know that, well, everyone knows that Gibbs White's going to be the one to try and link up with Johnson. So having Dennis there as well, it's, it's another player for, you know, for opposition defenders to be keeping an eye on. And And for me... I've always been of the... I mean, we've seen it with Ryan Yates on this podcast. We've all been vocal about him in the past as uh, from when we started this podcast. We've got no problems with turning around and saying, do you know what? We were wrong about that. We we, we hold our hands up. We got it wrong. He's, he's massively integral to this team now. And do you know what? I think it's time that a lot of people do the same with Dennis. It's only a couple of performances, but sometimes you just have to hold your hands up and say, some people just need a little bit more time to settle than others. And... and to score that goal that he scored, based on the fact he's played what half an hour in the last three or four weeks before before he started, that that's remarkable. That's not a bad player, um, and I think in our current situation, he's worth persisting with. Well, definitely. I mean, uh, if we do go back to the three, I would like to see, assuming one he's still out, that I would like to see Dennis and Johnson lead the line with Gibbs White behind them. I think that'd be very mm. exciting to watch, especially on the break as well. Adam, I just I, I just wanted to add like because Dennis is an arrogant dickhead we kind of need it right now we are so low in confidence we needed someone that is so big-headed and so like i am the man right now to get something going and i think he's probably the perfect bloke to do it he's so full of himself that he could be someone that kind of gets us out of the muck here and there and like you say he's another option going forward it doesn't mean that Someone's going to go, right, Morgan Gibbs White's got the ball, where's Johnson? Because that's who he's going to look for. Now you've got this bloke on the left who's not afraid to try something and go past people and and, and be be very, very selfish. That That is a scary person to have in your team almost. And and I'm I'm all for it, to be fair, because we're running out of games, guys. And and we, we may be facing a, 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 another trip down to Loftus Road and... and, and Bloody deep Dale. So you know, let, let's also assume these teams will stay up. Keep your look right in the right mess. Of them yeah, too. well, you know, I'm just get, I'm just naming a few stadiums. You know, we've got we these are we've we've kind of got to throw the kitchen sink kind of thing at it now. Like so, so bollocks to everyone's agendas against against Dennis. Play the bloke because he's clearly got the talent. At what uh, point? Uh, at what point something. do we say like he's in a he's in a Denisance? Because I think one more goal against <laughs> him, officially calling it. The Denisons, but I think he's already halfway too. Like like Lee says, like like he he was he was the most creative spark against Spurs, more than deserved his goal last week. Like he brings something to the team that we've we've been missing, and I love how <laughs> I love how we close out. We really need this man in in this team. Why? Because he's a dickhead, and we need him. Like I'm sure if I'm sure if he ever gets wind of this, he'll be really sort of encouraged. Like okay, yeah, these guys need me, but they also think I'm a wanker. But do you know what? That's fine, and um, yeah, I just I, this is this is what it comes back down to, though. So we've got after the international break, what is it, eleven games? I think it's going to be a tough ask of like both players, club, manager, whatever. But I think we need to just jettison the last twenty-seven games, put them away now. They're done. They've been. They're gone. We've got points on the board. We're above seventeenth. We're above the relegation zone, and you know. 
on on the Saturday we come back, we're a three o'clock kickoff. So it, the power is in our hands to not drop into that relegation zone. And I think that could be a positive. Results could go our way on that first Saturday back. So long story short, and I'm sure this is what Christian wanted to get to at some point, but I would say to every sort of Forest fan, everyone connected with Forest, like as shit as what happened on Friday was, and as bad as we've been for the last six games, teams do go through patches like this where you think, where the bloody hell is our next win going to come from? But then it does come and it will come. And it, quite frankly, it has to come. So I would say to everyone, just we need to give this team an amnesty and we need to do it probably for our own fucking mental health is to just go into the next 11 games like, right, it's an 11-game shootout. We know what half of the table we're in. We know what teams are involved with. And we've just got to hit the reset button. There's no point clamouring and crying about what's happening. We've got to think about where our next three or four wins are going to come from. Three wins in 11 games and a few draws probably does it. Four wins definitely does it. Can we do that in 11 games with varying difficulty? It's a tough ask, but it's not mission impossible. So we just need to take whatever we can out this break. And we've got to give everyone a clean slate and I mean everyone from from your Joe Worrells to to Mr Dennis himself like leave your agendas back in the, the the last three quarters of the season because this is this is now this is the serious stuff and we've all got to pull in the right direction so I don't care like Felipe could come and brick my house tonight it doesn't matter if he does it before if he does it before the Wolves game it's in the amnesty period so honestly that's just how I see it you know that's that's what we've got to focus on, I think, going forward, is that what's happened has happened. And we're now in this this terrifying situation. And the only way we're going to get through it is if we're back in every player and we're, we're, we're remaining as supportive as we can. And I don't care if that sounds happy clapper. Unfortunately, when you're in these situations, let's all have a good moan about it. May the 28th, after the Palace game, let's all talk about how, how shit our least favourite players are then. But for the next 11 games... Sorry, boys, time to bite your tongue and start worshipping at the altar of not just Ryan Yates, not just Emmanuel Dennis. You're going to have to get on bended knee for Andre AU to get through this, boys. So, yeah, that, that's that's what we've got coming up. So I hope everyone's as, as amped up as I am for it because I am going to have a heart attack before the season ends. But it's cool. It's fine. It's, it's better than having to go to Loftus Road, like, like Adam says. Can you believe we got this guy on yeah. for free? I know. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, about that, sorry. <laughs> it's going to be a very uh, stressful night to end the season. But again, I'd you know, much rather be in the Prem than be stuck in the Championship. I, I do. I think it's quite funny that like you know, we've basically made Emmanuel Dennis out to be Jamie Tart from Ted Lasso. But <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, the level the same as Tart does. But uh, no, it's it's definitely an interesting one. I think that you know he. I think one thing I did notice was that I think last season against the teams that we've got coming up, I think he scored against quite a few of them. So, you know, he, he will take confidence from that himself anyway. So, yeah, I think Dennis could have quite a big say in what happens to Forest between now and the end of the season. Hopefully it gets to a point with him and Cooper where, like, with Cooper, sorry, where Cooper's got a tough decision, whether it's Tywo or Dennis. And then we have to look at that as and when. But anyway, we're going to leave us some slept on it thoughts, which, as you can imagine, not necessarily the most... <laughs> happiest in the world but I mean as you can understand you know, it was a pretty rough ride last Friday and one that we're still reading from now but we'll start with uh, Yummy Bear says had time to calm down it was too angry last night Newcastle are a good side and shows why they're so much quicker in the ball and with their speed of thought and deserve to win the Prem is such a different beast and when you have when you've been out of it for so long you get used to thinking you need to win every game this isn't going to happen in the Prem we went up last year with basically one transfer window we at least pay aside the league with a team thrown together so for our fate to still be in our hands is a positive uh, Michael Lippman says devastated with a home run over that could be the start of a collapse for our season Simon King said the referee was shocking but the team was so poor no quality in the ball can't see where we get points from even at home now we are definitely one of the worst three teams in the league we need a bit of a miracle to survive uh, so Elliot says could be a cruel game at times feel we missed the grit of Kuyasi in the centre and hope he's back after the break Fans can only lose so much at home games. If we're in a dog fight, we need a team to show that fearless red dog fight that the fans deserve from the team. Uh, Jim H says Johnson clearly wasn't fully fit. Dennis and Ayu looked energetic. Men the match for me was Felipe. Ultimately, we were just outclassed by the better side. Gets nine points at the moment, seems a tall order, but he's hoping to break and return of injuries will improve our form. Jack Taylor says Yates is vital for keeping effort and mentality high during a game. It's probably the main reason we look worse second half. First half, I thought we wanted to play a little. Didn't just throw it away. 
IU offered something different up top that seemed old. Felipe was class. Uh, Chris says it feels like a massive loss. Thank God for international break. James, let's hope the international break's come at a good time. The team desperately needs some time to recharge, ready for the end of the season. Not quite sure what's happened to Gibbs White. His form seems to have dropped to the cliff. Felipe can hold his head high. Angus said, didn't deserve anything from the game. Wolves is a game that decides the season. If we lose it, we're down. If Yates is out for long, we're down. Might be inevitable. I don't really know where we're getting points from. It's poor all rounds. At least the happy clappers will be gone next season. And the last one, oh, last one. Simon says, thought we grafted and battled valiantly for it. Massively gutting to not get a point, but a difference in table position and season aims between the two teams showed when we lost focus at the end of each 45. All is not lost. Cooper has plenty to work with. Come on, you Reds. Again, thank you everyone for getting in touch with us for Septonic Thoughts. It's quite nice when the positive. Sorry, couldn't read out all of them. But yeah, we just have to hope that things do improve from there. And normally at this point, we would look at predictions for what's to come next. But given the next game is two weeks away, a lot can happen in two weeks regarding fitness and form. So what we'll likely try and do if we can is do a preview like we normally do with, with a Wolf fan or something. And we'll, we'll get some predictions close to the time. But before, to wrap up the show, we've 11 games to go. We're coming into the home stretch now. So million dollar question, if you like. Can Forest stay up? Tom, go with you first. Uh, I'm so glad you phrased the question the, the way you did. Yes, we can stay up. Not going to be drawn on whether we will stay up because I think our, my slept on it thought after Saturday is like it really does feel like it's a bit 50-50 now because of all the teams picking up points near us and the fact that we've got to hit the ground running on 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 well in two weeks' time. But... I think we've got we've got enough in terms of quality and players coming back, and I know maybe Steve Cooper's best managerial decisions haven't happened in the last month, but I still think that doesn't detract from what he can do and what what we've got in that dressing room, what we've got with with him being in charge. So, and as I've said, I'm just going to reiterate what I've said, but it, we need collectively a mentality shift as as fans. I think we've been on the We've been on a bit of a, a, a bad run and I think the the way we've been playing has sort of took a lot of energy out of out of the crowd. Like, you know, I think it was alluded to that maybe we weren't at our loudest on Friday night. I don't think we were bad by any stretch, but the, the, it does feel that the, the nerves are very much there in the stand. So what I, what I would say, just to come back on this very convoluted answer is, yeah, we absolutely can stay up, but we've got to be ready for an almighty dogfight and that includes everyone connected to the club. So strap in because it is going to go down to the wire. Yeah, it certainly is. Adam, can we stay up? I, I'm on the, the the positivity with Tom, obviously, as as you and Lee will full know within our chat. And uh, yeah, I don't see why not. It's it's going to be full of twists and turns. I said this last season when when we was heading for the championship playoffs, and I thought we could potentially get automatics. There, there, there's so many teams involved. I mean, obviously, the, the introduction to Forest back into the Premier League has made things so much better at the top and the bottom end of the table because whenever have you seen a possibility of three from nine going down? And I think that kind of helps in a way because it's so closely bunched together. I think that kind of... Everyone's going to be in the same boat from Crystal Palace down to, to Southampton at the bottom of the table. Everyone's going to kind of think the same that they just need to galvanise. But... I mean, I've already found the clip that I'm going to put out for this podcast. It's Tom Tom, Tom heads a like call for for we need you kind of thing like the American Army did. <laughs> so yeah, that, I'm, well, it's I'm... more like Delia Smith to be honest. If we're just having, <laughs> I really do hope they bring me on the pitch at half time with a pint of warm Madry just chatting. Let's be having you because yeah, yeah. I reckon it, I reckon it'd have a similar effect. I think Norwich actually went on to lose that game. So so yeah, yeah. let's. I'm sure you guys have got connections at the club. Let's see if we can make it happen. No, we wish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, in the in the grand scheme of things, yes, it's a lo- it's a long long tall order, and, and some fans won't won't see the see the light at the end of the tunnel. But as a, as a football fan, you've always got to have that hope, and and I fully do, especially with with what we've done in the last eighteen months. So yes. Okay, and Lee, can we do it? Yeah, I mean, again, I'm, I'm, I'm also pleased you you phrased it like that. Instead, we can do it. Of course, we can. I mean, it's not, it's not bloody rocket science, though, is it? If we keep playing as we are, we're not going to do it. Let's face it. We've got to improve. Um, 
But I actually think it's really interesting what Tom said on this pod about the amnesty thing. I, I'd never really thought about it like that. Do you know what? Park everything that's happened. It, it's a mini season after the international break. And, and you know, the fans do need us. Uh, the players do need the fans. So, yeah, we can. Um, it's time for Cooper to earn his coin all over again. He's proved people wrong in the past. Obviously, the Swansea fans, uh, he proved them wrong last season, didn't he? So, yeah, we can. Um but I'm not going to be drawn on whether we will. I think uh, the percentages have kind of uh, come closer to 50-50 after the, the the results at the weekend and us slipping down a couple of places. So it's going to be tough. I think other teams have got favourable fixtures. Then again, there will be teams with tougher fixtures than what we've got left, I guess. So it'll be interesting. Um, but yeah, we, we certainly can. Uh, let's see if we will. No, thank you for that, Liam. Three shades. And I think that, that is the reason why I phrased it is can we stay up rather than will we stay up? I mean, my belief is that, yes, of course we can stay up. We have the quality in the team to do so. We have, I believe, the manager to do so. We have things in place for us to do so. The issue is, obviously, everyone else will be feeling the same way. I think it's always been that way for us, isn't it? It's like, there is a, there's always been, even multiple seasons before this, we've had a chance of going up. So it's been like, can we go up? Yes, will we do it or will we do it? That's the uncertain part. Obviously, last season we proved everyone wrong by actually doing it. Um, but yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. What gives me confidence is that you know strange things do tend to happen in the last in the running, and there's obviously eleven games left now. You know, I know obviously it was somewhat because of COVID, but I mean when Villa stayed up, they were dead and buried. They're in a much worse state than we were, and they won like five out of their last eight or nine games to stay up. Something, something silly. So. Yeah, it can happen. That can. I do believe we have it in us to go on a run like that. I do think it wouldn't. It's not inconceivable to me that we beat Wolves and then beat Leeds and Villa back to back and get nine points there, and then everyone's like, "Oh shit, what we were worrying about." That's something that Forest would do. We will do, or not? It's another matter. Um, yeah, things that worry me. I mean, it, obviously, waveforms are concerned. Like you look at Leeds. Leeds have scored the same amount of goals that we've scored all season in one game against Wolves in terms of way fixtures seems to have got something together you know Leicester got a point at Brentford would Forest do that I don't know obviously we'll find out soon enough so yeah it's, the international break time a great time for us I think because you know get some injured players back get them semi up to speed you know I suspect they're probably players in that team as well who have been like nursing minor knocks and haven't quite shaken them off so now they get a chance to do so and yeah let's hope we come back and get it all done but anyway thank you for all for listening uh, obviously, it's been a difficult thing to cover, but hopefully we've given you a sprinkle of positivity, if not just from Tom's chats alone. Anyway, we will be back in a couple of weeks with a Wolves preview, hopefully. And if not, then we'll be there with the Wolves uh, recap. So stay cheerful. Try and watch England win some games, which I imagine we will do. And yeah, come on, you Reds. Just a quick one as well from all of us on this podcast. This is something that we all share and it's something that myself and I'm sure the other guys have noticed as well is that a lot of people, especially Forest fans, as that's what mostly I do have on my Twitter, um, seeming to struggle a little bit with their mental health at the minute. You know, if you are struggling, um, by all means, message the pod and one of us will reply to you or message somebody on Twitter. You know, use the Forest timeline with the hashtag or just to make sure you talk to somebody rather than doing anything silly. Um, there is plenty of options out there. You know, if you also want to talk to someone in conference, there's, you know, charities like Mind who will help you. Um, but just make sure you just talk to somebody rather than, you know, doing anything silly. I think that's um, an important message to relay um, to anybody who listens to the pod who might be struggling at this time. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.